Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. God is good all the time. Yesterday, we were uh, welcome to you all, by the way, and thank you for anyone who's watching on the live stream for being with us. Um, we were Yesterday, we had an unusual walk around our village. We sometimes like to go out and get some fresh air and walk around the village, but our walk took us up by West Kilbride Cemetery um, because it just there's a new a road that goes up the side of it to a r- lovely green field, and we'd never been up there before, and we didn't know what was outside the walls of the cemetery, so we walked up, and as we got to the top, we seen other um, graves there, and we, we were curious as what was going on, and obviously they need more space, and we were walking, and um, we came across um, the, the, the burial places of some people that, that that our son knew, a young girl that had lost her life on a holiday, um, other people that we know, I, the young man that was lost his life to COVID just in March, March the 20th. And it really <laughs> was a different kind of walk because it, it just um, made us so grateful for life and the life that we have. And so we didn't linger for too long, but we... We, you know, God, God takes you places. I'm, I'm, he, he takes you up roads and up streets where you, you've never been before to show you things that make an impact in your heart. And he certainly did that yesterday. So we're thankful for life. And, and we, you know, we, you, it makes you think of the brevity of life. That, you know, the word says that life's but a vapor. When you really sit down and think about that, it's no, it's no long. And so... This morning is not a teach, it's a preach. (laughs) It's a bit of a preach. And last week, we were talking about hope for tomorrow and strength for today. And the title of my message today is, Come You Weary. Come You Weary. And last week, we were talking about hope and about God being the lifter of our head and about choosing to see see stars and not bars. Amen. And... um, I, I certainly sense in the people that I speak to that the nation's grown weary, and people are weary, and the country's groaning under the restrictions, and I could go on and on, but people are definitely weary. Young, and it's, there's no, it's young and the old are weary, and we've not been through times like this before. I've certainly not been through times like this before. And, and it's obvious that there's no roadmap. There's no roadmap to help us through. So as with many things in life, someone or something has to emerge to lead us through this. Amen. Someone has to pioneer a way ahead. Amen. And I love, ever since um, I read David Livingston's autobiography, I've always had a great admiration not only for him, but for anyone who's a pathfinder or a pioneer. And the reason why is because they don't use roadmaps. They use compasses. There was no roads in, in Central Africa back then, you know. And they find a way to go where there doesn't appear to be any way 
And the direction that they take means that they have to clear a path or clear a way that others behind them can follow. Amen. And in an earthly sense, those that follow them are blessed because they're not subject to the same intensity and the sheer hard work and effort and huge sacrifice that was necessary to pioneer that path in the first place. Amen. And so, in an earthly sense, but of course in kingdom, it's slightly different. Jesus made a way, but we do have to lay things down to follow his path. But let's remember this morning that Jesus provided a path for us to follow. Amen. And that path is one that leads to life. And Jesus is beckoning us. Sorry, I'm using old words this morning, fettered and beckoning and stuff. Well, come on. He's, he's beckoning us, amen, and he says, come, I've got life. He says, I have life. I gave my life up so that you could have it. I gave my life up so that you could have true life and have that life much more abundantly. He says, come, amen, yet many of us don't come. We won't go. And I want to read a scripture to you this morning in John chapter 5 in verse 40. I might go from verse 37 in the Amplified Bible. And it says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified about me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, his majesty and greatness, or what he is like. You do not have his word, his scripture, abiding in you, actually living in your hearts and minds because you do not believe in him who he has sent. You search and keep on searching. Isn't that a familiar phrase? You search and keep on searching and examining the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And yet it is those very scriptures that testify about me. And still, here's the verse, and still you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Verse 40, and still you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. Still we are unwilling to come to him to have life. And we have his word and we have the fellowship of the saints, and we have the church, and we have all of these things, and Jesus is saying to these people, but you still don't really come to me for life. I do not receive glory and approval from men, but I know you and recognize that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name and with his power, and you do not receive me. Why? Because your minds are closed. But if another comes, this is a good one, but if another comes in his own name and with no zilch, nada, authority or power except his own, you will receive him and give your approval to an imposter. Hey, an imposter. How can you believe in me when you seek and receive glory and approval from one another 
And yet you do not seek the glory and approval which comes from the one and only God. I'm going somewhere with this. Did you know that God's more concerned with our surrender than our contribution? We have all the things of God. We have the church. We have the ministry. We have the mission. We have all of this stuff. And still he's more concerned with how surrendered you are than what your contribution is. We love the things of God, but we don't revere God himself. And there's a lot of mention in this passage of Scripture about the approval of others. All right, let's, the approval of others. I hope this ministers to somebody this morning because it ministered to me a lot. There's a lot of mention about the approval of others and being concerned with what other people think about you. So I want to urge you this morning, everyone in here, everyone listening, don't be controlled by men's thoughts, but be submitted to God's thoughts. Men have got plenty of thoughts. I've got plenty to say. Amen? Because men's thoughts control a lot of the present age that we live in. The age we live in is a product of men's thoughts. All right? Do you agree with that? Okay. I believe, I believe, my own, this is IMO, in my own opinion, IMOO. I believe that the acceptance, like the, the Yoshi Bowl, I believe that the acceptance and the internalization of the thoughts that people have of us feeds a pandemic of hopelessness. I didn't find that anywhere. That's, that occurs to me. That the acceptance and the internalization of what people think of you, especially young people, lead, is leading, has already created a pandemic of hopelessness. The fear of what other people are thinking about us is for most of us the biggest single limitation of our life. The fear of what other people think about us. And I, be, I believe... We become weary with that struggle that is identity. We, 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 we have such a huge struggle with that, and we, we, we get weary with that. Who am I? What's my purpose? Who can I relate to, and why am I here? And here's a good one. We can become weary with this, with the struggle of pretense, all right? Keeping up appearances. We can become weary with the struggle of pretense that is this force that is almost subconsciously placed upon us by the thoughts of other people. It's really quiet in here today, but it's true, it's true. And I want you to know this morning that if you stumble or fall, you won't be judged. Not here. You know, people say, or oh, he or she was, he's all that. He was all that. 
You have to be careful that in your own pride, you're not one or two steps away from falling yourself. You know, but God, he's our judge. He's our affirmer. He tells us who we are. He wants us to know who we really are. Amen? Because people, the thoughts of millions of people are now available in your hand every day, wherever you are. Controlling thoughts, influential thoughts, thoughts that you will sometimes receive and internalize. You will develop into a struggle inside you about who you really are, your identity. You'll cause yourself to question your own value. All of these things. And it's true because the word backs it up in Psalm 56 verse 5 in the Amplified. It says about people all day long, they twist my words and say hurtful things. All their thoughts are against me for evil. All of their thoughts are against me for evil. But what about what God thinks about you? What about what he thinks about you? Well, we can find that in Psalm 40, verse 17. In the Living Bible, the TLB. I am poor and weak, yet the Lord is thinking about me right now. Oh my God, you're my helper, you're my savior. Come quickly and save me and please don't delay. Now, there's, I could go around the room here because this church know their scripture about the thoughts that God has towards us. So I, didn't, I thought I better not put that, those in there because they'll be like, we know all that, Pastor David. You don't have to keep on telling us that, that your thoughts towards us are no, 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 no. So we know that, but I hadn't really seen this one before in Psalm 40, verse 17. I'm poor and weak, yet the Lord is thinking about me right now. If you had someone thinking about you 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, what kind of thoughts would you want that person to be thinking about you? I'd want them to be thinking good thoughts, positive thoughts, empowering thoughts, and that's the thoughts that God thinks towards you in this place today. Your enemies, however, or even those who, you, they're not an enemy, they're just indifferent to you. They just really, you're just, an, you're just another human. You're not in their, you know, if you're not in their world and you don't think and talk or believe or whatever or act like they do, then you're really of no relevance anyhow. But God thinks about you all day long. He thinks about me all day long. <laughs> I wish I could read his thoughts. But he does. And in Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened. And I love what the Amplified says. What does it say we're burdened by? By religious rituals that provide no peace. And I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Following me as my disciple. Amen. I'm praying that we will have believers, new believers, baptized in the Holy Spirit again and baptized, go through the waters of baptism. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. You will find renewal. 
You will find a blessed quiet for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavily burdened by ritual, by religion, by dogma, by you name it. You know, there's a wide spectrum of our population, particularly young people, who I believe are open to the opportunity of being in partnership with Jesus. They're weary. Young people are weary. I don't envy young people in this day and age. I really don't. But they're weary, not only with the expectations that things like social media place upon them, all right? But with organized religion, with issues and problems with government, with moral issues of today, man-made doctrines which come from thoughts, men's thoughts, controlling thoughts. And I believe there's a great opportunity right now, and I learned a new word this week, fidgetal. We live in a fidgetal realm in the church right now, a blend of the physical and the digital fidgetal. And it's an opportunity to reach them. It's an opportunity to reach people, but it's an opportunity to reach young people. And initially, they may not give the time to understand what the Lordship of Jesus Christ is all about, and that we are required to surrender to Jesus, surrender our everything to Him. But when they understand the power that Jesus has and what that power has the potential to accomplish, amen, I believe there will be enough attraction there to draw them towards Jesus and for them to establish a lifelong connection, i.e. salvation, with Jesus. Amen? They're not necessarily looking for power over anything, but I believe young people especially want to partner with something that has power and to be identified with that. You see, it's the identity question again. Who's on your side? I know who I want on my side. Who is on your side? It's annoying that hope's not lost, but that a galaxy-creating power A universe-creating power, a life-creating power. Who is that? God, our Father, El Shaddai, the Almighty, sees them. And he sees you. And he sees me as as individuals, as an individual. And he embraces us. Amen? And he embraces you into his realm, which is a realm of power. Okay? It's a realm of power. It's a realm of peace. Amen? So I believe that people are looking to partner with that kind of force in their life. And they're finding it in, they're they're searching for it in places and finding the wrong things. And, and, and I think they, they really identify with it. And that's not just young people, but anyone who's been brought up in our culture of superheroes and Marvel comics and all of this kind of thing. 
You know, it's not necessarily that they want to have power over anything, but they want to partner with something that has power. And we all have that potential. Amen? So Jesus says, come, bring the hopeless to me. All of these people that are dissatisfied, disaffected, discombobulated, all of those things, come to me. Because he said in John chapter 9, verse 5, that he was the life, the light. And then... He passed the light on to us. Amen? So we are supposed to be torchbearers for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And Matthew 5.14 tells us that about the salt and the light. You're the salt of the earth, it says in verse 13. But what good is the salt if it lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world like a city on a hill that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. So we could go and bring hope and bring light to those that are in the darkness. And I think far too often... Linda and I have been up in the city a few, few times recently. Far too often we can walk past too many opportunities to do something, something, anything for someone. Amen. I mean, we don't see it here in Kawinning, the same as in Glasgow or urban areas, the levels of homelessness and deprivation and all of that. But in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus is prepare, preparing his disciples at this meal, I think he's maybe trying to convince them, actually, <laughs> preparing them or convincing them of the power and authority that they're going to experience in the upper room, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so that they can go and do his ministry and bring hope. Hallelujah. And we, we had some time with a lady a while back, quite a long time ago. She had lost hope, and she was in a hopeless place. And it was as if the light of her life was being extinguished from her life very slowly. And when I asked her if she still read her Bible, she said, yes, I do. I read my Bible, but it's dead to me. It's dead. And so I sensed that she was looking for new meaning to life, that she'd been through a lot. And we could sense a real struggle within her that darkness was overtaking the light and she didn't know how to stop it or slow it down. And it's heartbreaking to sit and be with someone who's lost all hope. Has anyone ever done that before? Sat next to someone that is totally hopeless. It's a difficult place to be. So we didn't know what to say. So we just, we said to her, um, you can make a comeback. You can make a comeback. You really can. You can make a comeback. And so she looks at us. By this point in time, she's, she's kind of teary, and she looks at us, and she says, can I? And we say, yeah, you can. You can make a comeback. And all some people need is a yes, you can. Amen? And Jesus says, yes, you can. And if you go to that opening passage that we read there. If you go before that in context, it's talking about the, the man, the infirm, the paralyzed man that was in Solomon's porch. Amen? 
And I love the story that, that, that runs up to those verses we read. You know the amazing thing about that story? He didn't know it was Jesus that was standing in front of them. It was just a man that said, yes, you can. He didn't know until afterwards that it was Jesus that said, get up and go. Amen? It was just a man saying, yes, you can. And we are all people that can say to someone, yes, you can. And yes, you can. Amen? Dion, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can meet someone somewhere and say, yes, you can. Amen? And our mission is to reach out to those who have no hope, not to gather those who already have it. Because we can gather together too much ourselves. We, we have the hope of glory, but there's a lot of people that don't have it. Hopelessness isn't ex is not exclusive to people who don't believe in God. It affects believers too, though. So we have to encourage one another. Amen. Wilderness periods take a toll on us. Um, I don't know if anyone's felt these previous months being a bit of a wilderness, a desert, a horror, you know, just it's not been a, it's been a horrible experience for some people. And if we're weak, we can lose hope. Amen. And a wilderness is the kind of place where sometimes you feel that God can't hear me here. Too isolated, too out of the way. Amen. And when we don't hear God's voice, we think then he doesn't care or he doesn't care as much as he used to. We feel isolated. But I want to say this morning that he's true to his word. And he'll hear you in the deepest desert. And he'll hear you in the, in, you know, wherever you think is the most dark, remote, out of the way place, he'll hear you. Amen? He'll hear you. Because he wants to make known his ways to us to walk in. And Jesus paved that path. And now he says, come to me, all you who are weary. Come. Amen. I want to finish off with this verse in, in Isaiah 43 in the Amplified Bible. Because he's our living hope. And this tells us that. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now this is what the Lord, your creator, says, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you from captivity. I have called you by name. You are mine. It's like, Willie, you are mine. Amen. And you are mine. You know, he's called us by name. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire... You will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. The flame will not set you ablaze. Hallelujah. For I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Praise the Lord. And those waters, you know, it's just a metaphor for chaotic, turbulence, stormy, difficult times. Amen. And notice what it says. It says, when, when you pass through the waters, not if you pass through the waters. When you pass through the waters, I will be there with you. When you go through the fire, I will be with you and the flame will not set you ablaze. Hallelujah. 
Amen. And so, praise the Lord for that. I believe that Jesus says, come. I know you're weary, so come. He's beckoning. He is. He's saying, come. And I believe that when we reach, when we extend that hand and say, come, people will come. People will come. And us, for us that know the Lord, we need to still come. Amen? Does anyone remember, I sang a few words of it this morning, that old Amy Grant song, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El 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 Yona Adonai. Age to age, he's still the same by the power of the name. Hallelujah. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Kamkana Adonai. We will praise and lift you high, El Shaddai. And that is all we need to do, I believe, is just keep his name on our lips. He says, come, and just be willing to come. And, you know, sometimes we complicate, I think we complicate our Christian lives with everything that's, that's Christianity. But he just wants us to surrender. He just wants us to come every day, daily, to talk and to read his word and to sing and, you know, and to look at the weather outside and give him thanks for it. You know, Christianity is really so simple. It's really simple. And we've made it a complicated thing. So, (laughs) praise God. Let's uncomplicate it. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.